Hey, you came back. And well, if this is your first time, welcome to the Come Again podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Bartley, and this is where we talk about all things reinvention and storytelling. Now, we're going to do another profile today. We're going to focus on J.K. Rowling. And before we do that, what I want to do is I'm going to pull up some notes here because I want us to take a look at the reinvention, realignment, and the reset framework all over again. And the way that we're going to do that is if you can just recall that um, pyramid that I designed where at the very bottom we deal with reinvention, which is the most philosophical part of the paradigm. Uh, It's dealing with your beliefs, your values, and your identity. And then we go to the realignment level, which is the most strategic. And the reason why it's the most strategic is because it's dealing with your visions and goals, and it's the bridge between the reinvention and the third level, which is reset. And that's the most practical, which is dealing with your routines and your habits. So a way to look at this is the foundation. You have to start off with your beliefs. You have to start off with your values. You have to start off with who you believe you are as a person. What's your identity? And with that, then you can start stacking on, okay, now how do I align or maybe realign my goals, my visions, or visions, but really, you should really have one singular vision, and then you can, you know, that can evolve over time. But then also on top of the realignment is, do I just simply need to reset something? So that's where routines and habits come into play. Okay, so the reason why I want to take a look at that is because we're going to pivot over to J.K. Rowling, uh, her life and the legacy that she has created for herself and for her offspring. I say offspring because I'm not sure if it's just one child that she has. So that was just a safe way of just kind of circumventing that, even though I just put myself out there. Um, But here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to give you some stats. And this is not stats, but more so information about her and then we can go into some lessons that we can extrapolate from her life experience so far so you may not have known this but jk rowling was born joanne rowling and i think her middle name is joanne catherine like that k i think it's catherine uh on july 31st 1965 in yate gloss gloucestershire I think that that's how you pronounce it. Now, it's not Gloucestershire. I think it's Gloucestershire, England. Um, And of course, we now know her as a renowned author, best uh, known for the uh, Harry Potter series. And here's a few things, though, that we're going to take a look at that really helped to shape that path that she went on. The first thing is looking at childhood. So she grew up in Gloucestershire and later in Chepstow, South Wales. And this is where she showed a deep interest in storytelling from a young age. And then when she uh, attended St. Michael's Primary School and later Whiting School in college, she went on to study French and classics at the University of Exeter. Right. So now we've got kind of this early childhood, her education. This is what where she started to transition now to an early career. So post university, she worked in various jobs, including a researcher, a bilingual secretary for Amnesty International. I definitely didn't know that. And the idea 
So this is key here. As we're coming from early life and education to now her early career stage, uh, the idea for the Harry Potter series came to her during a delayed train journey from Manchester to London in 1990. Which is wild because I think that um, I, I want to say that it was probably what early 2000s when Harry Potter actually became very popular. And I guess we'll take a look at when it was actually published. Um, I think it was late 90s, uh, 97. But after her early career, she then had some struggles and there are some things that she needed to do in order to reinvent herself. So uh, during the early 1990s, Rowling faced numerous challenges, including the death of her mother, a brief marriage in Portugal and returning to the UK as a single mother. Whew. All right. So I don't want to say baby mama drama, but there's some things that were going on here. And then she wrote the first Harry Potter book which was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone while struggling with depression and living on state benefits. All right. Now, why is that important? Because before I share with you what I'm going to share with you next, there were some things and I don't know the personal work that she had to do, but there had to be some things that she needed to do between her reinvention and maybe resetting. Maybe there's some routines or some habits that she had to um, to tweak but the middle piece, the realignment that bridges the gap between reinvention and resetting, between your most philosophical and your most practical phases or stages of uh, the entire reinvention paradigm was the vision and the goals. There had to have been some work done there uh, because after several rejections, I can't remember how many specifically, but there were many rejections that she had. The book was published in 97 by Bloomsbury in the UK. So you're saying you're telling me that she had an, uh, uh, an idea that was uh, planted or that was really germinated in 1990 and seven years later, going through the challenges that she went through, she finally was able to have this book published. And that's awesome. Now. It became a huge success and the subsequent books broke numerous sales records. I mean, we already know that the global phenomenon of this was where the series spans now seven books um, and has been translated into multiple languages and uh, was has been sold over 500 million copies worldwide. Right. Massive. And then there were the film adaptations. So we've got the book now adapted into highly successful film series, uh, further increasing her fame and success. So what happens after when we're talking about like beyond? So Rowling has written several other books, including The Casual Vacancy. I think that was in 2012. Um, the uh, Comron Strike series under another name. So she had a pseudonym, Robert Colbraith. Yes. Or maybe it's Galbraith. Uh, she did some philanthropy, very similar to Robert Downey Jr., the profile that we did with him. Remember when he had that pivot into success, um, he transcended beyond just being an actor and he had the spirit of giving back. Quite frankly, I think that that is a large part when you have settled into who you have chosen to become, who you've chosen to evolve into. You if it's genuine, like, and it's because you're not doing it out of fear or out of uh, hate or, you know, but it's really because you're looking for a change. You're looking to see and to make a difference. You then become a philanthropic person. 
you give back. Yeah. All right. So she's been involved in various charitable efforts, notably founding uh, Loomis, an organization working to end the institutionalization of children, which kind of aligns with, I would say, kind of sort of with the book series just a little bit. Um, And I think the reason why I make that connection is because there was a level of institutionalization in the Harry Potter series. Now, I have not read the entire book series. <laughs> Let me not say entire. I have not read any of them. I've only seen the movies. All right. Don't stone me. But I will say that you can. Why? Well, I, I can see how uh, being in that particular structure, that academic structure, but the way that, you know, some of the professors and the individuals were teaching the students or training them can kind of align with the passion. So this is another thing too to, to think about and to consider. How you give back isn't necessarily too far away from what your passion has been for something that might have been creative. It doesn't have to be totally separate. Like why? You know? Um, so yeah. And and then uh, post the par- Harry Potter career, we look at some of uh, her controversies and some criticism. So, for instance, uh, Rowling has been a controversial figure in recent years, particularly due to her statements on social media about gender identity, which have drawn criticism from some fans and some activists. Um, Some public instances where her opinions on these issues have sparked debates about freedom of speech, authorship, and the responsibilities of public figures. And I must say here that whatever side of any kind of these uh, political or maybe... um, humanity debates that you're on when you get to a level of of um in in her case it's not notoriety because that's more a negative slant of fame but when you get to a level of influence you will have your share of criticism and controversy i almost think it's inevitable um I can't think of anybody who has been a notable figure who has spoken out about things outside of their realm of what they do, whether if it's sports, writing, uh, you know, a particular genre where some pundit or maybe even fans can say, "Mm, really, that's what you really think? Wow. And some may turn against you. Some just might agree to disagree and move on. But the reason why that's important is because she is who she is because of sharing her thoughts and her ideas and her creativity with us from the beginning. She was genuine from the beginning. And I think that that's key because you shouldn't stop being your authentic self. Now, there are times, especially when you are at a particular level, where you need to start to um, uh, become a little bit more careful in how you communicate particular ideas not because you you know you have to walk on eggshells because everybody's watching you but because what you say to many people it's almost like gold and what happens is they very well might just if you just made a flippant comment well everybody should do this they very well just might do whatever that thing is And you may not have even meant it that way. So I think that there's a level of weight and responsibility that comes with being uh, an uber influential individual. Um, So, yeah, you're going to have your fair share of controversies and criticism. The question is, are you are you still true to yourself? Because there's nothing that she has come across at this point that 
says, oh, wow, she needs to reinvent herself again. She is who she is. And, you know, there are things that, of course, people need to change and, you know, as they evolve. And but the point here is that you don't have to reinvent every time there comes a problem or when people disagree with you. OK. Uh, all right. So let's take a look at legacy and influence. Just a few things here. So, of course, the Harry Potter series has had a significant impact on popular culture, inspiring a generation of readers and writers. Um, it's gotten awards and honors and she's received numerous awards for her contributions to literature and also, once again, philanthropy. So there's this connection, it seems as if, between when uh, as you are a creative person or maybe and you can be creative in science, too. I know sometimes, many times when we think of creativity, we think of the arts, design, but engineering and chemistry and biology and marine life like i think that all is a part of creativity you can have creativity in all of those disciplines industries and sectors um and that being said it there's just a when you get to a level of creativity it also connects with your level of philanthropy your desire to give what you have been given um and so uh let's take a look here at a few of the lessons here Okay, so I want to take a look at how through the lens of reinvention, some of the things that you should pull away from J.K. Rowling's experience. The first is embracing challenges as opportunities for growth. Very similar to um, Robert Downey Jr. and how we talked about him also doing the same thing. This is probably going to be one of the most common themes that you'll hear, or common lessons that you'll hear in many of the profiles that we do. So for instance, Rowling faced numerous personal and professional challenges. We know this, including the death of her mother, uh, the brief yet difficult marriage that we talked about, um, the, the individual that she met in Portugal, um, financial struggles as a single mother, and rather than being defeated by these challenges, Rowling used them as a catalyst for her creativity. Um, I think that many times, excuse me, I think that many times we tend to overlook the, not just possibility, but the reality that how your situation pans out is really based on how you choose to leverage what you're in and what you're going through. It's a lot of words to say, as uh, E.T. the hip hop preacher would say, uh, recycle the pain. Take that pain and use it to your advantage. Leverage it. Why go through all of that and not get anything at the end of it? Right. And this is what we're talking about when it comes to embracing challenges as opportunities for growth. You'd like your Part of your reinvention stage is really looking at, and remember, this is the most philosophical level, looking at how you view problems. I think it's um, uh, the guy that wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, uh, Mark Manson, I think his name is. He says, you shouldn't live life trying to avoid problems. It, your your lens is warped when you do that. You need to expect that life will have problems, but what you're going to do is choose the kinds of problems that you'll have. 
So it's not that, you know, you'll be problem free. That's not the goal. You will have problems. But what are those problems? It's like the quality, I guess, you know, of the kinds of problems that you want to have. And solving those problems should improve your quality of life. I did a little clap there. Okay. So we also um, will take a look at, oh, and well, I'll finish this. So what this does is the adversity that she experienced informed her writing. It brought depth and authenticity to her characters and storylines. And it demonstrates the potential of difficult experiences to serve as sources of strength and inspiration rather than just art obstacles. Okay, next up, persistence in the face of rejection. So the first thing is the mindset, right? Embracing challenges as opportunities for growth. But that's just the beginning. What you also need to do is now you gotta in the in the midst of it have to push through. So, um. Harry Potter and the the Philosopher's Stone was rejected by multiple publishers before being accepted by Bloomsbury. A a similar individual who also had that kind of a narrative was Seth Godin. I think his first book that he published was rejected like 900 times or something like that. And he worked in the publishing industry. Um, Now, I can't remember if he finally did get it published or he, he decided to publish it his own. I can't remember how the story goes. But the point is that's persistence in the face of rejection, not just in the face of hardship, But in the face of people actually telling you, no, you need to, as much as you embrace the challenges for growth, you also now need to leverage, like you have to embrace more than embrace, but to use kind of like a lever to use the word no to push you forward. So the, the persistence or persistence in the face of rejection is crucial for success because these rejections that she faced were disheartening, um, but she didn't give up on her story, not just the Harry Potter story, but her story. And so her experience underscores the importance of believing in your vision and continuing to pursue your goals, even when others do not immediately recognize their value. So what this lesson does particularly uh, it becomes relevant in fields where rejection and subjective judgment judgments are common. So anything from writing, any form of the arts, uh, entrepreneurship, those are and just one of many, three of many, really. But you have to know, no pun intended, but you have to know that the no's will come. And when the no's come, it's not because you aren't good enough. It's not because you aren't worthy it's because it's just part of the process it's like literal growing pains many of us i can't remember but i'm pretty sure when i was growing i'm pretty sure my bones ached just a little bit i i don't know maybe they did maybe they did i can't remember but i'm pretty sure when it came to some sort of growth my teeth old teeth the, the baby teeth falling out for the new ones to come in the gums got sore growth requires a level of pain. Rejection requires a significant level of pain that needs to be endured. And quite frankly, when you think about it, it goes back to the mindset. If you've never been rejected before, if you've never failed anything before, everything that you touched turned to gold. By the time you get 50 and you've never experienced that, you are 
heartbroken. You will rethink life. You will think maybe I need to be need to reinvent. Right. And and I guarantee you that that's probably not what the issue is. The issue is that you've just never been told no before. You've lived a life on some level of entitlement that everything that you said was just gold. You always were dropping gems every time you opened your mouth or everything that you did made made the, the business, your business or the company that you worked for profitable. You, you were just that person. Well, you only know what you're made of when life punches you in the mouth. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a no um, financially. It can be a no health wise. Where your body says, nope, we're not working in this manner anymore. <laughs> True story, my knee is starting to say no to me. And I'm starting to feel it, especially when it gets very humid and when it starts to rain. And I feel like one of those people with like hip replacements who that knows when the rain is about to come. Wow. Can you imagine? Crazy. Yes, it, it is a thing. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Now, you know, I'm taking care of myself. But the point is, rejection comes in all forms and you got to be ready for it. Okay, here's the last lesson, the power of imagination and the reinvention that we're talking about. So the idea for the Harry Potter series came to rolling during a period of uncertainty in her life. Ooh, that's key. Listen, listen here. Listen, 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 listen. Some of the best frameworks even that I've created came in the moments of uncertainty and hardship. Something like I said, shipped, because I'm about to ship to some of these frameworks, yo. It's going to be bananas, but we'll talk about that some months down the road. What I'm telling you is that some of your best work, think about the musicians. Think about the musicians that have, that have had the most uh, hottest singles or records. Many times it comes after a heartbreak. <sighs> Come on, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. And so uh, for many of us, or many of you, um, a breakup is the best motivation to get to get fit. There are usually times when it's really difficult, when there's hardship, and it can be relational, it can be job-wise. For many of you, you lost your job, and then you decided, you know what, I was always on the fence as to whether or not I wanted to really do this business. Now I have no choice, and I'm not sure what's happening on the other side of this. Now I'm going to do it like, wow. Okay. So I'm saying all of that because at the end of the day, you need to understand that some of your greatest work is going to happen when you're going through hardship. Okay. I think this whole time I was looking at the wrong, <laughs> I think I was looking at the screen versus in the actual lens. Well, there's that. Okay. Now here's the other thing. So her journey highlights the power of re, of imagination and the ability to reinvent oneself. So her ability to transform her life situation into a narrative that resonated with millions worldwide shows how creativity can lead to significant change. Why is that key? It's key because that's how I view life. As a matter of fact, my uh, personal mission in life is to help other people to see their life through a cinematic lens. I truly believe that many of us are living not as the hero, but as the supporting character in our own stories. And my goal, whether if it's through UX design, personal development, brand development, whatever it is, my goal is to help you to become the hero. 
of your own life so that you not necessarily can save other people, but so that you can add the value that you were designed to add in the story that has been crafted for you or the story that you craft as you go along. There's a difference between things that are predetermined and mapped out versus what you are creating and, you know, what you have been called to be. And so, yeah, yeah, be the hero. Okay. So it suggests that when we're talking about her ability to transform her life and situations into that narrative, it suggests that sometimes the most profound reinventions come from within, from tapping into your own creativity and turning imagination into reality. Uh, one of my favorite movies is also uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original, y'all. Gene Wilder, the original. There, There is no other. Uh, no shade to Johnny Depp, but come on. Gene Wilder. Like, yeah. So, but this idea that you walk into this fantasy land where the things that you didn't think were possible were possible. And there's this one line, I, I butcher it all the time, where he talks about lick a schnozberry and it tastes like a schnozberry. And, and then one of the, um, I think it was Violet, I think, uh, turns to him and says, that doesn't exist. And he grabs her by the mouth or by her cheeks and says, we are the makers of music and the ones that dream it. Oh, my God. We are the dreamers of dreams and the makers of me. I, I butchered it. But the point is, he was so passionate at that point that a little child who, you know, none the wiser, it, it, it rubbed him the wrong way where he's like, hold on, wait a minute. My whole mission, my purpose is to turn imagination into reality. You dare not tell me that this doesn't exist. All right. So why do I say that? I say that because it suggests that sometimes the most profound reinventions come from within, like I mentioned, from tapping into your own creativity and turning imagination into reality. So her story is a testament to the power of resilience. It's a testament to the importance of holding on to your vision despite challenges and the transformative power of imagination and creativity. And so when you think of these things, they're universal, universally applicable because, once again, this is not um, unique to J.K. Rowling. Uh, this is everyone's story. Or can be everyone's story everyone has a level of hardship and your hardship looks different your hardship is not the same as my hardship right there are things that you'll go through that i'll never go through or will never fully be able to understand i can do my best to empathize when you talked about the levels of from sympathy empathy and compassion you know i can do my best to empathize where you're coming from but at the end of the day the things that you go through aren't going to be the things that I go through. Now, here's the beauty of it. There are going to be things that you do go through that other people may similarly have gone through. And then you now can be the beacon of light, the beacon of hope to show them that it is possible to be okay on the other side or not just to be okay, to thrive. I truly believe that that's the case, but you can't do that if you haven't gone through any challenges. You have to go through challenges, right? So, um, these lessons, they're universal, they offer inspiration, and they offer guidance to you and to me in various stages of personal and professional reinvention. 
So remember, reinvention is just not about turning your, um, like, like turning into a new identity because something got difficult. If that's the case, you've missed the entire point of what reinvention is all about. When there is a desire, when there is a need, and let me just pull that up right quick so, so that we can actually take a look at this. When you feel like you're perpetually unfulfilled, it's time to dig deep into the philosophical phase of reinvention. That's when you need to start looking at your beliefs, your values, your identity. When you start to feel like your progress is lacking or the priorities need to be shifted, that's when you start looking at the realignment of your goals, your vision. And when they're no longer serving you, the, the things, the behaviors that you're doing, it's, it's not working anymore. Not your vision, not your goals, but the actual, the practical things that you're doing when they're no longer serving you. Now it's time to reset and to try new habits, to try new routines. That's the purpose. And that's the goal. It's not when things get difficult. But if you find perpetual difficulty in being fulfilled, maybe it's time. Perhaps it's time to make a change. And my proposal is to start off with asking yourself, who am I really? What do I believe? What do I value? You know, it's the three philosophical questions, the ontological, the axiological, and the... Oh, man, I can't remember. I think it's the teleological. I think that's the last one. What is real? What is true? And what is a value? And if you can think about those things, what is real to you? Like literally, what is real? <laughs> what is real? Uh, many people don't believe in the idea of willpower. Many people believe in naturalism, and that's their reality. And we've been put here by chance and so with that chance now you can make it of it you know you can do something with it or it doesn't matter what you do because it doesn't matter and then there are people who believe in a christocentric or a theological perspective whether if it's um uh believing in one god whether if it's believing in many gods whether if it's uh believing in some sort of transcendent being or power or the universe that you know either um uh what's the word i'm looking for i think it starts with a c that that um not assembles but they it comes together to you know further your your purpose or your success or whatever the case is the point is you got to start off with what do you believe and then from there you can ask yourself now what's valuable in the reality that I believe. And what's true? There's a difference between reality and truth. And we're not going <laughs> to go down this long philosophical thing, but the point is you got to do the work. You have to do the work to determine who are you now in this stage? Because if you are perpetually unfulfilled and you've looked at some of the habits and the behaviors and that's really not working, you've adjusted your goals and your visions and the strategic layer is not working, then you probably do need to do more than just rearrange the furniture. It's probably time to gut the entire house and to renovate. Okay. So that's it. Um, we're going to continue to do profiles. I think that 
my 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 goal and this is really the setup is me just pulling up public information i mentioned this before public information about an individual walking through it i'll have some of my personal experiences if i think that it's applicable that will also insert but then just three maybe four lessons and those lessons are going to be very similar like i said but i think that the repetition hopefully creates some sort of pattern where who knows maybe at some point you know we can create some sort of i don't know booklet or something that will allow us to see those patterns and those similarities with the different kinds of individuals and of course if you have any profiles that you think that we should take a look at then send them over to me and i will definitely take a look and see if we can make it work all right thank you and come again